0: Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today, we're talking about
1: season four, episode two. Somebody's been reading Dante's Inferno, which obviously is also the topic of my Devils in the Detail. Lengthy and interesting
0: and weird and very Dante. You couldn't have said it better. But before we get into the episode today, we have a shout out to do for our newest patron, Daniel. Thank you very much for joining, and we will see you around on our Discord.
1: About time you got his button there, told you to move it. But I'm very happy that you finally did. Anyway, yeah. So, this episode gave me emotions. Because while the main plot with Lucifer and Chloe gives us all the emotions and even dares us to have hope, every single side character is let down dark, twisted, or just very boring paths. At least when it comes to
0: their potential future
1: storylines. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Lina is torn. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna start off with the obsession of the week, because I always do. (laughs) What a segue. My obsession for Lucifer this week is a date with Chloe. I have the same! Like, literally the same! Nice! Well, because it's true. This is the only way to go, and this is the correct obsession of the week. The only. The true. The honest one. (laughs) You can't really blame him, though. That's the thing. I very much feel with Lucifer this episode. Oh, I have so many opinions and
1: feelings and emotions and questions and everything. We're gonna go through them one by one. Before I can dive into the plethora of emotions and questions. Plethora is such an amazing word, I'm sorry. I have our usual facts and funds, even though I sprinkle the most of them throughout the episode. We have a first-time director with Sam Hill, who will be back for one more episode in the future. Nice. We have the 11th return of Ildi herself, who also wrote herself into this, but I'm gonna point that out when it happens. The title is set by Lucifer, putting us at one of two. For Vero, I wanted to point out that the cabin used is the same building used for Merlot's
0: bar and grill in True Blood. Oh, well, that explains why it felt so familiar.
1: So last, I want to point out that for their date, Lucifer prepares Chloe's favorite food, as he puts it, which is grilled cheese sandwiches with inexpensive yellow cheese. But in the episode The Last Heartbreak from last season, Pierce also claimed to make Chloe's favorite meal, but that was a pasta dish. So either one of them is wrong or her favorite meal changed because Pierce was such an
0: asshole. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say that Pierce didn't know what he was talking about.
1: I'm gonna stick with the her favorite meal got tainted by Pierce and now it's something else.
0: Okay. <laughs> Well, it is time for Previously on Lucifer, and I am here with a self-made one again. Linda and Ames used to be a thing which pissed Mace off, but now they're friends again. Chloe doesn't trust Mace, Ames decided to move to LA and not being an arsehole for now. Dan is inexplicably weird about Lucifer and no one else. Lucy has shown Chloe his devil face and Chloe is meeting a random priest behind everyone's backs. Ooh. Mm -hmm. The suspense. The suspense is killing us. And immediately, thank the writers for that, we start getting a little snippets of who the fuck this dude is. And we start this episode with a song called Blood in the Water by Joanna Jones as the dame.
1: I really have to confess, I have not gotten used to not getting a classic previously on. So when they start us right into the episode, I always need a minute to accept that we're already in there and it took me surprisingly long to realize that we're in a flashback (laughs) and then I finally realized that oh we're finally having a what did Chloe do on her vacation episode which in my brain is finally and then I realized no no wait girl this is episode two there is no finally yeah because I'm so involved already after just one episode I haven't felt disengaged since my rantings about mom in season two. So I am very very grateful that I was able to binge all the way into season four and I am really enjoying now getting into this in all the details because
0: HOLY SHIT! THE WRITING IS AMAZING! It's brilliant, yeah. We do get the flashback though, so I was, as I already alluded to, quite happy about that. And we see Chloe do the only thing that I would expect from her and that is do research. To try to figure out, to wrap her head around it. And this makes so much sense. This is so much... Chloe. Chloe, yeah. It's just so much herself. And unfortunately, we start getting a little background on Father Kinley. And I fucking hate him already. Oh my god.
1: Yes, I absolutely detest this character. But huge props to Graham McTavish. Because he plays this supposedly well-meaning, but being utterly creepy in every subtle way to perfection.
0: Yeah, he's brilliant. I remember even when I watched this the first time, I immediately knew that this is gonna be an issue. And then, obviously, he first mentions the uh, International Association of the Exorcists. And I'm like, dude, how is that a thing? Is this even a real thing in the world? I would not be surprised if that was a thing in the real world.
1: Exorcism in the real world is very, very dangerous and often ends in death.
0: And I already... In this moment have noted that I do not trust his help at all and that he seems to me like one of those religious fanatics that are convinced that they know the true meaning of life or whatever. They cracked the code and they talk personally with God so they know everything. So this is the vibes that I got from him immediately. So he follows the true path. Yeah. And
1: everyone who is this single-mindedly on this as the one true path is dangerous. Especially when it's paired with religion.
0: And especially if they approach somebody who is vulnerable at that moment. Which Chloe obviously is. She has just went through a big trauma. She has just found out a big thing. And she is struggling with the knowledge and this is like the most vulnerable point of her entire life and existence
1: and father kinley being the predator that he is hones right in
0: on the vulnerable prey yeah predator is a great name for him right he is a fucking
1: predator but i really have to say this entire opening it feels so incredibly in character for chloe especially with her doing the research but also with her seeming surprisingly sane for what she encountered she is holding on to sanity quite quite well, which is what I wanted her to be able to, because she is super mom, super cop, and now she's also super Chloe when confronted with the supernatural. So thank you writing for being consistent and giving me an in-character Chloe this early.
0: The issue of this situation that I have, and this is not an issue with the writing or with the episode, but my personal emotional engagement with this is that I am upset with Kinley being such a horrible human and that's my issue.
1: (laughs) Which is perfectly understandable. Because
0: I hate this. I hate when people take advantage of other people. It's like the worst thing you can ever do. And I just like it always makes me incredibly angry. Anyway, we faint into the precinct and we have just the last quote that is going through Chloe's head and it goes whenever he visits death and destruction follows bullshit.
1: Yeah, which is so mean. I mean, like, come on. But now we're in the precinct and it's been a while but I've actually had to laugh out loud when Chloe is trying to work with the stress ball but it doesn't work. And then Ella shows up and hands her the egg and then very quickly takes the egg away from her again? <laughs> because you can see the worry in her face that Chloe might squeeze the egg. So this scene I found utterly hilarious.
0: I have one last note on this scene and that is that Bob and Margaret are amazing pet names and I will fight you on this because I know that you hate that.
1: I specifically did not make note of that in hopes that you might overlook it but I disagree.
0: We had this debate before and you are wrong and I will die on this hill. Didn't
1: we have a poll for that? If not we should but this time,
0: yeah, human names for pets are the best, and we're gonna make that a poll.
1: We go over to the penthouse, and there is a song. <sighs> Give us the song while I try to...
0: Not to drool drool over over my equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So the song's name is Get Set. And it is by Dotcom and Marius Delamere. Which I believe that Dotcom has been on our playlist before. So... Rings a bell. Yep. I'm 99% sure. I did not check because I'm a lazy bitch. But I'm quite confident in this. And I have like my first note on this scene. Is that the new workout routine is very much serious paying off.
1: I really have to find the source with the interview article thingy where Tom Ellis talks about bulking up for Netflix because holy shit. It's a big jump. Wow. Speaking of very very good looking men.
0: Did Amenadiel always have this beard? No, I don't think so. I think that he has grown a little bit more of a beard since we started this season. I'm here for it. I know. It kind of brings out his eyes and it just looks really good on him. So
1: this entire scene was <sighs> hunky. Thank you. Yes, this entire scene was a very hunky. And when we later get Mace in here as well with that whole thing. And it's like, oh, <sighs> everybody's so hot. Seriously. Everyone is way too attractive on this show Wow So I got very distracted I have to confess But apart from shirtless eye candy And beard eye candy Because oh my god I love beards I have one point to make That is even more important to me Which is Thank you Ildi And thank you Room. For giving me the acknowledgement that the progress that we had between Lucifer and Chloe has gone. And that Lucifer is aware and that he's unhappy about this. And this self-awareness
0: makes me really enjoy this.
1: Because it works.
0: Yeah. I love that Lucifer and Ames talk. And good for Lucy honestly, for actually having a whole bunch of quite mature conversations throughout this episode. Except with the shirt. I mean, did you notice that he throws out the one that Ames picks?
1: Of course. But did you notice it's definitely the same shirt? Absolutely identical. Yeah.
0: Right? 100%. Good. And Amenadiel has this whole beautiful speech for Lucifer, which I didn't write down because, you know, I was kind of convinced that Lucifer was going to interrupt it with something dumb, which kind of happens. But, like, not really. He's very just impatient. You
1: know what I called Amenadiel's speech? Ames turned into a hippie. And I like hippie Amenadiel. (laughs) I
0: mean, it's good advice. I mean, it is good advice. And definitely, I am 100% on the side. Please, Lucifer, please ask her out. Just put us out of misery. Ask her out. And I got very excited. But now we finally get to see why Ella got so fucking excited when she saw where the next crime scene is going to be. Because we move over to the cabin set. And my first note on this is that I really, really hate reality shows. And 27 seasons of that, it reminds me, what's the name of the one? I'm a star, get
1: me out of here or something? Oh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'm a celebrity. Yeah, in German it's I'm a star.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when they're in the middle of the jungle and they... They have to eat gross stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. And do
0: scary shit. Yeah, yeah. That's a version of that show, what we see, the cabin. And also it has like 30 seasons out as well, I'd say. Same here. For some reason, people are still into this and I don't understand it.
1: I have to confess that I ignored most of the most of the week case because I share your dislike of reality shows. But I was very, very focused on Lucifer's repeated attempts to ask out Chloe. And I find it so hilarious because usually he is so suave and sexy and self-assured. Unless it's Chloe. And then he is just the worst bumbling idiot. And it's so cute. And so sweet. And the entire episode, I feel that Lucifer is the softest we have ever seen him. And I've said so before, I think I adore soft Lucifer.
0: I agree. Heart. i just love lucifer in this episode so much he's just so lovable
1: yeah and he really touched my heart and it was a very intense parallel for me because while lucifer has this softness and even vulnerability in, in parts around him chloe to me felt downright creepy With her facial expressions and her micro expressions and everything.
0: It kind of directly continues from what we've seen in the previous episode where it kind of is Chloe, but it's not really Chloe. You can tell there's something wrong. And even Lucifer knows there's something wrong because he says it in the conversation with Aminadil. He says, I feel like she is hiding something from me or she is not telling me something or something like that. Something is off. But
1: I just want to point it out, I know I've said so repeatedly in the last episode, but fuck me, Lauren German
0: kills this. Yeah, she's really, really driving it home there. Also, immediately when she agrees to the date, it feels like that was definitely too easy. Something's fishy. Sure. As I said that, as I was writing that down, we are getting another short flashback where we see Father Kinley trying to convince her to do something and she does not want to do it. Also, my last note on this flashback is the first time I use the word brainwash and it was fucking priest is trying to brainwash her and I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it.
1: I wouldn't go with brainwashing because he's not trying to erase anything. I go with manipulation. He's trying to twist her perception.
0: I find that that's kind of my definition of brainwashing.
1: I can see where you're coming from but I feel more comfortable with manipulation because it's more encompassing than just brainwashing. Manipulation can be wider, I feel. Also, we get the title card that then transitions us over into the precinct. And I have to go back onto my horse. Daniel's behavior makes no sense. It does not. This is one of my main issues with this episode. We're gonna come to my other one at the very end. Then. I understand that at the end of last season, then learned that Lucifer knew about Pierce and him being the Cinnamon and not sharing and yadda yadda. I get that. And I actually like that we're not acting like that didn't happen. So that is actually a positive point. But the explanation is not good enough to me. It's too flimsy. And given how amazing Lucifer and Chloe's character presentation and development and writing is, I feel
0: cheated. With with Dan. I understand why you feel that way and I'm gonna say one thing I call bullshit. I don't think this is the real reason. At least not the only reason. I'm pretty sure that there must be some uh, specific thing that turned him into thinking this because I don't think that he was feeling this way at the end of the previous season. Hence, I am convinced that something must have happened in those weeks when we were not around which made him feel this strongly about the situation and it hasn't been revealed to us yet.
1: I really hope you're right because if this is then lying to himself or pretending to himself or to others and there's actually more to it, then I'm not complaining. But if it's not, then yes I'm complaining. So just to be safe, I'm complaining now.
0: Okay. Well, the thing is that I don't think that there's much else to it in a sense of... I don't think that he is lying to himself. I just think that he has this approach because of a certain reason that is unknown to us and that he hasn't shared with anybody. We'll see. We'll see. And then we're going straight back into another flashback. Oh, yeah, we do. And I was just like, boo, lying, liar, Father Kinley. Maybe he's not lying, but he's doing what all the religious freaks do. He is manipulating the truth and picking out the facts that fit his narrative. And that is what I call brainwashing. Boo, boo. And that's pretty much me on that scene.
1: So this flashback into the past, obviously, Lucy causing Nazi Germany. Yeah, no. And I'm with you, Kinley is a fucking zealot. So I have absolutely no disagreements there or actual add-ons to anything you said.
0: And we go back to the precinct again. The flashbacks are kind of sprinkled through the episode, which worked well. It actually makes it quite organic for us to figure out what happened back then. And then we kind of transition to Chloe meeting with him in real time. So it really worked well for me, even though it was kind of short here and there, flipping around. But we do go back to the precinct and... I feel like sometimes we should write down Ella's obsession because that would be just the names of the shows, of the TV shows and radio shows that they encounter over the time.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good point. She's way too into this, but it's also very Ella. Ella loves
0: trashy telly. I just don't understand And she
1: loves being way too into things. So I actually can relate.
0: Do you know what though? I feel like she is so intensely into these things because it's a distraction from other things. But she's always been like that even when she was going to church and doing stuff and she was you know i wonder what is she trying to distract herself from that is my question and that is rhetorical i
1: mean currently it's obvious but always when she is distracting herself with something there's always something that should be on her mind or is on her mind also we now get an extremely judgy chloe who thinks in very strict
0: and clear black and white. Absolutistic thinking, I called it. Yeah. She's a bit of a Sith now. No Star Wars reference, no. Only Sith deals in absolutes. No. I think it's a really good reference. I'm just going to ignore these fucking Star Wars references. And while
1: this is not the first time that Chloe and Lucifer exchange position, I enjoyed this one a lot because we transition into the next scene and Lucifer has to be the mellow
0: and reasonable one. Mm-hmm. He's shown us before that he can do that and pretty much he chooses to be who he normally is with Chloe.
1: Exactly, which is really nice to see because while he is aware that something is fucking off with Chloe he also is aware of her usual set of values so he is trying his very best to keep her from doing anything that she might regret later on which I really appreciate because he is thinking for her he is looking out for her he's trying to take care of her he's trying to protect her which are all his best qualities when it comes to Chloe and then of course they start projecting onto the case and we get the whole parallel stuff and it's yeah they do it again later on as well and it's nice. I was kinda not too much into that but it fit well into the narrative of the episode.
0: I didn't have much on that scene where they go to the set again and I don't have that much on the next scene either which is when we go to the penthouse and there is a song playing underneath the entire scene called Work It Out by Stella and the Storm.
1: Which makes sense because suddenly Linda is a total workout and fight fan which makes no sense. I mean I get the conversation conversation with, oh, the goddess of creation tries to fry your face and now suddenly you're into self-defense. And that has been quite a while ago. So no, I'm not putting that on the reason why Linda suddenly is into self-defense.
0: Well, we know that she's been into self defense for longer time already, because she mentioned it in the previous episode. But also, to me, she's just gotten re traumatized by the whole Pierce situation. However, at least she's actively doing something to teach herself to protect herself. I'm not happy
1: with what we're doing with Linda. This is my other main issue with this episode. I hate everything that we are doing with Linda. Everything. From the now repeated not emotionally dealing with trauma, even though she's a fucking amazing therapist.
0: It's always different when you talk about yourself and when you talk about people around you.
1: No, when you know that dealing with trauma is important to talk about a professional, then no, we had this discussion in the past, so we don't need to repeat it. So, I obviously hate that. It all feels extremely flimsy and lazy, which again, just like with Dan, clashes with the other main plot of the episode and also of the last episode, which is why I'm so angry about it because I'm still mourning the loss of one of my favorite characters. And of course, at the end of the scene, she faints and the resolution to why she faints at the very end of the episode makes me hate this whole thing even more.
0: I figured that you would hate that but we'll get to it later.
1: And so I only have one thing left to say about this scene. Why the penthouse? I mean yes Mace says Chloe doesn't feel secure about me but whatever so she doesn't want to meet at her place. I get that but what does Linda's
0: private place look like? Have we ever seen that? I don't think we saw that, no. Why don't they meet at Linda's place? I would not be surprised if Mace moved back to Lux after she left.
1: No, she says to Linda that she doesn't feel like at home in the apartment because Chloe is
0: scared of her. No, she doesn't say at home. She said, I don't feel welcomed in the apartment. She hasn't lived there since she left.
1: I interpreted her as as still living there. But even if she moved back to Lux, she doesn't live in the penthouse. So why are they in the penthouse? Why are they not down in Lux? And why are they never at Linda's place? I want to know what Linda's place looks like.
0: That's is fair enough I did not have issue with that at all I didn't even think about that twice but yeah anyway one more thing about this and that is that I'm just glad that Mace is not going into a full-on revenge mode again because she seemed very much pissed off at Chloe when she found out that Chloe deliberately held Trixie away from her
1: yeah but also we talked about this last episode that Mace is not gonna do anything to Chloe because she cares about Trixie so much
0: well yeah physically no
1: I think also emotionally because I think Maze is aware that if she hurts Chloe Trixie is gonna be mad at her again and she does not want Trixie mad at her. Possible. And with all of this weird stuff being done, we move over to one of my favorite bits in this episode when they're working the case and Chloe starts talking about hell to Lucifer and asking questions. Because her going, biting off the heads of children? And I'm like, wow, not really sure what she's
0: referring to. I feel like there was a painting of Kronos. Yeah, but that's not a devil. I know, but I'm pretty sure they deliberately showed those paintings that she was going through.
1: Yeah, but just like you said, that's Cronus. That's not the devil. And so that kind of made me pause. Yo, Chloe, you are super cop. When you do research, you do research proper. It's not like you to wrongly attribute cruel acts from other creatures to the devil when it's not actually his deeds And yes, just like you said, the brainwashing manipulation by Kinley might definitely play a part here. But that gave me pause. But also the whole interaction, it starts out so believable in the positive way. Like, yeah, it makes sense that you have questions and ask me. And Lucifer seems open to engage with her on that. And then she asks the one question that, in my opinion, is the worst. Did you enjoy it? Because she has known Lucifer for so long that the mere... Asking of this question shows that she does not believe in him or that she does not believe in her perception of him. And this scene really broke my heart because Tom Ellis kills the delivery, how he reacts to this. And the way he delivers the line, it was a job, something I was forced to do. And this interaction, this scene, this is the new quality and new level of television that has me now back on this level of engagement holy shit it hurts but we've talked about me liking that but also both of them kill it it's fucking amazing i want
0: more yeah i was getting slightly frustrated at this moment because i just wish that they would sit there for a few hours or not maybe not there but anywhere and just fucking talk and just Make Chloe actually ask questions directly. Like, she runs back to Kinley to ask more questions or, like, be pushed into a certain direction. And obviously, that's what's going to happen because Kinley wants her to think certain things. It's just very frustrating to me because you can tell that Lucifer, and she knows Lucifer, but she's just so. And I'm gonna say it again. She's been brainwashed. She has been forced into thinking that her perception is wrong and she doesn't trust herself. Which directly ties to the case of the week where she doubts everything. And she is even at the beginning of this scene where she goes through the interviews. The way she poses all the questions, it feels like she is trying to justify her reasonings about Lucifer instead of solving the case. So it... Makes absolute sense and it's horrible and like everything you said about this moment is just so painful to watch her asking that one question because this is not coming from her. This is coming from Father Kinley. I disagree there. She would never ask that herself, I don't think. Not this way.
1: In my opinion, Kinley fanned the flames but the mere fact that someone as rational and as controlled as Chloe was confronted with proof that the divine exists and that the devil exists and then goes onto this deep dive of research. Obviously, she she read all the bad books. Dante's Inferno and all these horrifying paintings. Not necessarily the best version to read up. Because she focused on the horrifying devil side and not on the angel side of Lucifer. Which very very often simply gets ignored that Lucifer is a fucking angel. So her struggling with the fact that she didn't believe it even though she should have. She struggles to actually believe in her own perception of the case. And I agree with you that obviously Kinley manipulated her and he used her vulnerability but I think everything that now is coming out of her was there in small amounts. And Kinley simply very very evilly picked which parts to strengthen and which parts the you spent years with this man, he saved your life, he saved other people, he never lied to you, all the good bits. Kinley made sure to squash down and twist and turn. We also get the title drop, of course, in the scene with Dante's Inferno. And I feel, and maybe I missed this, but I feel like this is the first actual Lucifer is now worried about Chloe. Like he was skeptic before, but now I feel he moves over into active worrying that she is not only struggling, but that there's more.
0: I mean, he does mention before that she is keeping something from him. I don't think this is the very first First time, I feel just that it's very easy for Chloe to convince him that she's fine because this is what he wants to believe. So every single time she says, oh, no, it's fine. And, you know, I'm going to go out with you and whatever. He just chooses to latch on to that and just lets it go. And then when this comes through, it kind of throws him back to the I'm actually worried about what's happening. So to me, it's not the first time.
1: No, it's the point of no return. Of worrying for me in Lucifer's case. Maybe that's a better phrasing.
0: Probably, yeah. It's the final time. It's the final straw. Basically. But let's just talk very, very shortly about the penthouse scene. Because I want to say one thing. This whole scene starts with Mace saying, you scared the shit out of me. And is this just me or this is the first swear that we got on the show, right? Oh my god, I have no idea. We've got Lucifer saying, what the f- And that gets cut in the previous episode, but they are now on Netflix, so they are allowed to swear, which is one of the reasons why this show suddenly has butts and pecks and swearing. Yeah, well, obviously, but like it feels more true to itself because it feels like it should be part of this universe, even though it shouldn't be overused, which is lovely that they are not actually overusing it.
1: I hadn't realized until you now just pointed it out, but yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah, I don't think that there was a swear before this, so I just wanted to point this out because I appreciate that it is not overused even though they are allowed to. I wasn't even aware, I hadn't realized, so thank you for pointing it out. It's just another proof that it's used well.
1: (laughs) To me the most important part in this scene is Mace saying, until you see a you, and Linda being so confused, a doctor. I just adore this. It's so fucking sweet. And the entire interaction Maze has with Linda is just pure sweetness. It's amazing, yeah. So as much as I wasn't happy with the off-screen rebuilding of friendship, Maze as part of the Maze-Linda friendship, I'm happy right now. I would have wanted more screen time to be able to witness Maze's growth so I can believe it more because I'm still struggling with that. But everything Maze says or does in this scene to me is pure bliss. And the Until You See You just was the chance on top basically. Yeah.
0: So now we get to the point where there is another moment which I just mentioned where I think that Lucifer actually believes that this is gonna happen and the reason for that is because Ella helps him get there. And honestly we start the scene in Ella's lab and they take out the dress and it's beautiful. No. Do you hate the dress?
1: I hate the dress. I hate the whole thing. The whole Oprah... Pretty woman, a decent proposal, blah, thing. I just... Ugh. That's
0: a matter of a different taste.
1: It's a matter of opinion. And I love that you love it because one of us should love it.
0: <laughs> I love that he is so nervous. I am so impressed by the date. Honestly, I would go on a date like that. But also, it feels like this episode is definitely happening after Boo Normal. Because it feels like the friendship of Ella and Lucifer kind of flourish. They are so sweet
1: together and it feels like this is supposed to be after Boo Normal. Which also makes sense because in Boo Normal Lucifer and Chloe do not interact at all. And also I love the fact that Ella is now fully on team Lucifer when it comes to Chloe. Yeah. Because he really needs more people in his corner. I mean he has a mana deal and blah but that's not the same. Ella is different.
0: And then I've written down Chloe what the fuck and then with the scene change i written down what the fuck Chloe what the fuck. So I'm not really sure what that refers to but it's there. To me I called the scene shenanigans
1: because I was having trouble naming the scene correctly and it was very pleasing to my worrying heart to see Chloe have doubts because she's stalling. She has to wait. She needs to collect more information. She needs to make up her mind. And she does not see the monster in Lucifer that Kinley is trying to paint him to be. And yeah, of course, he, he's a fucking Christian zealot. And he plays this part beautifully. I mean, Kinley is a, is a perfect example for that. And then when he's trying to convince her, he uses this one main tactic that is very efficient, which is with the lying because that is the main issue when you have someone claiming that they never lie you don't know if that is actually true because if they never lied and the saying they never lie is true and everything else is true but if they lie the saying that they never lie is gonna be wrong and everything else they say will also be a lie and I applaud Kinley for playing the strategy and I don't blame Chloe for worrying but also Of course, I enjoyed the callback with the Prince of Lies because we know
0: that Lucifer is not a fan of this name. He is not. (gasps) This is just an extremely infuriating scene for me. I understand, yeah. Everything you said just really nicely summed up what was happening in my brain, except my brain was just making sounds and (laughs) repeating fuck you, fuck him, fight him. Noises. (laughs) After Chloe is done
1: with Kinley... She returns to the precinct and she keeps watching Lucifer. She's trying to figure him out. And Ella catches her watching Lucifer and Chloe goes, just some schmutz. And I'm like, what? Schmutz is a German word. It's German
0: for dirt. Why would Chloe use that word? Well, is it by any chance from Yiddish? Why would Chloe use Yiddish? Because it's just a part of slang. Like, don't know. My brain just didn't stop even to think about it twice. So I would assume German. But yeah, couldn't tell you.
1: It is extremely cute. That Lucy gave the Oprah tickets to Ella and that she took her grandma. It's just so cute.
0: At the whole
1: Ella-Lucy dynamic just continues, continues, continues. But while we stay within the precinct, we have Menadiel show up. And he is wanting to hang out with Daniel. And we learn a very, very terrifying thing about Dan. He doesn't do improv anymore. And that, in my opinion, is the... Biggest
0: warning flag about his situation and mental health so I worry. It feels like he's trying to push everybody away. Even though that he is treating other people more civil-like than Lucifer, he's still trying to isolate himself from everybody for some reason and he is not dealing well. If you don't let people close you can't get hurt by other people. It's
1: very simple. Well, yeah. Binder! that. <laughs> Fuck psychology! But also, aside from worrying for Dan, I also Felt really bad for Amenadiel because he now has made this great decision that he's gonna make LA his home and he's gonna connect to humans. But nobody wants to connect with him. And well, yeah, you you cannot force people to connect to you. But I mean, come on, Dan and Amandio were a great friendship pair. So I I felt sorry for Deal.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And then we go into this beautiful montage where he's trying to befriend people and we get a song called Nothing Personal again by Stella and the Storm. Weirdly enough, from the exact same album than the previous song called work it out oh
1: wow okay so this is the
0: second time this happened that we have two songs from the same album in one episode so obviously i want to talk about this song or this band in my devils in the music turns out there is exactly zero information on this band so Ooh. if you know a source let me know the only thing i found was a very old and very unused facebook page and uh, pretty much just a couple of pictures and that was it so I would love to know more I know that this song also has been featured on Jessica Jones oh wow so Netflix really hammering down the rights on buying a song but yep gotta get your money's worth that's pretty much all I found about this song
1: which is shame I really enjoyed the montage because not being good with kids totally can relate there then being a total creepazoid in the coffee shop and the writer he is trying to start talking to
0: is ildi herself Mm -hmm. i noticed i recognized her i was so proud of myself
1: it is an uncredited appearance so and yeah he just cannot catch a break and so now we have aimless and taskless amenadiel he has no purpose
0: and he's talking to a stranger yet again it's just such a his thing who
1: doesn't understand him i feel because he replies in Spanish so I felt bad for a mana deal but also I felt very very hopeful and since this relates to Linda's arc I put it in there together this plays into the second part that I don't like about the storyline what is happening but I'm gonna complain about
0: this at the very end so I look forward to it mm. can't wait I'm already prepping my mind for this And now we go back to the set, and for some forsaken reason, suddenly Chloe is doubting herself again and isn't arresting people on spot. I mean, it does make sense, but also it's just flippity-flop this episode from both of them.
1: Yeah, but it felt really logical to me that she was all over the place emotionally because I feel like there's nothing she wants more in the world than to either fully believe Lucifer or fully believe Kinley. But she is struggling and I'm so happy where she arrives at the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. But I actually really, really understood and enjoyed, in a very, very bad and painful way, but enjoyed her way there and her struggle and I found it utterly believable and well done.
0: Yeah, for sure. But you could kind of say the same thing about Lucifer because he's also a little bit like a yo-yo in this episode. And it is because he really desperately wants to believe that everything is fine and the things that Chloe is doing have nothing to do with her finding out that he is the devil and her trying to deal with it. But also being rational about this in certain moments and like realizing that it is not that easy to deal with something like that. Especially for somebody like Chloe. So So it makes sense on both accounts and he really desperately wants to believe that the date is going to happen soon. And to me in this moment my brain went into some sort of a frenzy trying to figure out what is the reason she is trying to delay the end of the case. Is it because she is dreading closing the case and going on a date or is it because she is having doubts about Kinley and then I was like well this is kind of the same thing but also is she just remembering how to do her job and... It just, it was just so, so intense emotionally watching this because there is so many questions and so little answers.
1: My brain went into a very, very different focus direction because one part of my brain was busy with the... Story of the week, because I wasn't a fan of Melinda had a thing with another woman and that woman now went crazy potential plotline. Never a fan of that. I'm very happy how it got resolved in the end that she wasn't the murderer. And so there was one small part of my brain was busy with that. Another part of my brain was busy with... balls Chloe's... (laughs) Sorry, I was waiting for an opening. (laughs) It's perfectly fine was busy with Chloe's mental state I want to say because as soon as we see Melinda's girlfriend trying to light the cabin on fire she starts worrying for Lucifer and as long as she worries for Lucifer there's hope in my brain. So... This is where another part latched on from my brain. And then, especially when he comes out of the building and she's just standing there, oh my God, and woo, how did you survive this? And I was just begging her to hug him. Please, please, Chloe, hug him. Like, this is the perfect moment. And I. But then there's also one thing that I started wondering here. The way this is set up, it would be a reasonable thing to believe for Lucifer that Chloe tried to blow him up. Really? She saw this happen and she didn't prevent it? Of course, she couldn't have. But I was wondering because in my mind, he started doubting her in the previous moment when I, when I mm-hmm. said. So my brain went down this rabbit hole that maybe he now starts proper doubting her that she's actually trying to put him into harm or see how stable or invulnerable he actually is as a divine being. Which later on with the X for me, had a climax. So it made total sense in my brain when I when I thought that.
0: And then we have a change of the day and we have the whole confession of the yeah, girl. Yeah,
1: that was a weird cut to me. Why it's suddenly the next morning. I
0: mean, we've had these weird cuts before... It just felt weird in a sense. Like it didn't feel like it was so late.
1: Yeah, it didn't feel in the middle of the night. So it, it was weird to me. Yeah. And here I had forgotten the actual resolution of the case. So I believed this story. I believed that Kylie was the murderer.
0: I was suspicious. I had a feeling there was more to it. I also want to point out if
1: Melinda was into Kylie and hooked up with her, then Melinda was not straight, period. I don't care where on the spectrum she was, but she was not straight. Yeah,
0: well, clearly. Because Kylie goes first of all she's straight and it's like ah, uh, no girl at that moment there was an op- option for me that she just got with her in order to form the alliance which then later on got kind of debunked because she clearly had feelings for her and wanted to be with her but yes i can understand where kylie is coming from because in her eyes if melinda kind of dumped her or whatever in her eyes she felt like oh she only did that to win me over so she was actually straight
1: yeah also ignoring the case this scene has another of soft lucifer instances and this is definitely one of my favorite ones all over not just in this episode but in, in general lucifer giving chloe an out giving her the chance to step back or withdraw completely even, showing himself vulnerable in an emotional way that we have seen extremely rarely, if ever, before in this way. And this actually made me teary because I get teary very easy. But this is, for me, what my logical understanding of actual love is. The, because I care for you so much, I'd rather not have you but have you happy than have you and have you uncomfortable. So, to me, this felt extremely evolved on Lucifer's part. Mature. And one of my main complaints, especially at the end of season three, has been that it felt to me that all progress that Lucifer has gone through is always retconned. It's always taken away again. And I know we're only two episodes in, but I feel so incredibly hopeful with this new writing style for Netflix and the length of the season and everything that I remember that I said, I won't believe any future progress but I believe him. This is <laughs> this is made in a way that it feels extremely plausible. And I'm back on this. I'm back on Lucifer's side. I'm back on
0: Decker Star. Dear listeners, you are witnesses of Lina going back on literally everything she said <laughs> in the summoning episode. I
1: know, but I mean, come on. This is Ah!
0: <gasps> I agree. I absolutely agree. So, because Lucifer gives her an out, it feels like he senses there is something wrong, and he's not wrong, and it breaks my heart that she does not believe him. I feel and she does say it later on the fact that he comes out unharmed is the bad thing for chloe instead of her being happy that he is unharmed It all gets clouded with the fact that he is this supernatural being that I do not know.
1: And I really like how they resolve it later on when they are in the penthouse. And he explains the whole you make me vulnerable part. It's so well done. So let's get there and let's get the short interim scene with Linda over with.
0: Because hate it. It can only mean one thing. And I hate it. I mean I... Don't know if I could tell when I was watching for the first time what was going to happen. I do not remember. However, it's very short and we can just move on to Penthouse, please. It's a date. And see, my problem with this scene, and again, this is not a problem with this scene per se. (laughs) This is not a problem with the writing. This is just something that pisses me off, even though it makes absolute sense. (laughs) Which could be description
1: of Vero in this episode.
0: Yes. I can't believe that fucking Kinley got into her head. Because if you start to believe that anything the other person does for you is a manipulation and is designed to seduce you or whatever, it is very difficult to be convinced of anything else every single thing that lucifer does to make chloe more comfortable she as long as she believes that this is a manipulation she will now believe it's a manipulation there's no way around it and i hate it i hate it i hate it and it's really well done by kinley yeah obviously but i hate it i actually do
1: hope that kinley is gonna be our big bad of the season or maybe even the church is gonna be our
0: big bad of the season please and then let's just burn the church to the ground and i love to hate him
1: I don't think I've enjoyed a potential villain as much in the entirety of the show as I do the pure potential of Kinley. So like I said at the beginning, I adore the actor. But holy shit, I hate the character and I love
0: to hate him. So we are going through this scene. I kind of expected Chloe to not show up, I have to say. I was surprised. So I sort of remembered this scene. I remembered it wrong, though. I didn't remember it at (laughs) all. I knew that she breaks the glass, but I thought that she changes her mind because he says something and breaks it Ah. intentionally. So I was waiting for Lucifer to say something that would change her mind, and it kept not happening, and I was getting very nervous, and then he goes off to turn the music on, which, by the way, the song that makes her break the glass is called Poison. No, it isn't. It is called Poison. Seriously? <laughs> oh my god! Lucifer! The hell Biff <laughs> Defoe? When I saw the name of the song, I was like, seriously? Seriously? <laughs> Uh, it's just so Lucifer (laughs) to do something like that but also it's a 90s song so you know why not and then we get the whole debate about Lucifer being vulnerable around Chloe and I was like on the inside I was screaming finally finally she's asking the right questions and now she knows and also I had totally forgotten that duh obviously she doesn't know that so of
1: course it doesn't make any sense and right before lucifer shares that vulnerable part he says no more secrets between the two of us and that just broke my fucking heart because he is so happy that he now has the potential to be proper honest with her to share everything and while in my brain he suspects that there is more to her than she is sharing he has the honest hope that there are not gonna be any more secrets which is why he opens up with the whole vulnerability thing and blah blah I found this so painful and so well done and the way he delivers this
0: confession
1: was I think one of the best pieces of writing of the show so far
0: see in this moment that just kind of supports my theory where he so desperately wants to believe that everything's gonna be okay that he will latch on everything she says he wants to believe this and he needs to believe this like
1: even thinking of that i'm getting half teary-eyed because it was so ah oh, the
0: desperate hope when he talks to her and then she gets the call do you know what i appreciate that ella knows that they are on a date so she doesn't call directly she just texts her to call her back oh my god ella is the best wingman ever
1: She gets the message and she calls back and she knows that she has to leave. But when she leaves, she gives him a for now. Which gives him hope, which also she has not made up her mind. She is still torn between the bullshit Kinley tried to fed her and make bigger and everything that Lucifer is sharing with her and proving and... and... I have no words. I know this is bad when doing a podcast, but...
0: (laughs) Hey, listen, you and me both, sister. Now, she lives on her own. And I do not understand why she's doing this on her own. I was, like, very upset. I know logically why she probably does it. But
1: I think you were not that far off that she is trying to remember how to do her job. She needs a win, basically.
0: Yes, but I'm not talking about her doing it without Lucifer, but she's technically doing this without a backup.
1: Yeah, I think she needs proof that she is capable, that she is good, that she is competent.
0: Well, luckily, Lucifer is a stalker, so... Oh my god,
1: yes, I literally... Good Lucy! Stalking Chloe to protect her! (laughs) But... Right away when we had the call with Ella and she says like a brick I remembered who the actual bad guy was and how the resolving of the case goes and everything so I didn't have to be involved emotionally with that even though yo that cameraman is so fucking creepy and entitled. Ew. Ew. Also
0: he has zero poker face. Literally no poker face at all. He immediately when he sees her going through the things he's like ah oh, I'm gonna tell you my life story. Fuck you girl. I don't know I feel like he just thinks that he's invincible because she's there alone yeah because she's a woman alone and he's armed so i don't have really any notes on their conversation because pff, who cares oh no no
1: ignore that shit because the only relevant part is the ex throwing lucy throwing himself in there which i forgot and i didn't
0: see coming and
1: i might have shouted at my screen <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, this is a moment that I did remember. I think that I mentioned it in my, what I remember from season 4 at the end of the summoning episode. But I remembered there being an axe. (laughs) I did not remember that Lucifer's shirt gets so miraculously opened just enough so Chloe can axe him in the middle of his chest. Oh my god. That's just, it feels incredibly sexual. Right? Right? There was such an intense vibe between them. So it's just me. Just take your clothes off people. Just just have sex right there with the axe. So it was not just me. No, it was not just Chloe
1: me. Chloe pressing the
0: axe into his chest is so unbelievably sexual. It just needed to be another penetration apparently. Right?
1: Right? It's like, come on girl, put on a strap
0: on and get it over with. You know like you watch this and you think to yourself, well surely that's not meant that way. But clearly same minds <laughs> Wow! I don't know why like when you think about it if you describe the scene to anyone I don't think that you would think I mean
1: depending on how you phrase it
0: I mean probably yeah but like you watch it and the sexual tension's there
1: and so while Chloe is penetrating Lucifer's chest with the X (laughs) hat I can phrase it in a very, very explicit way. Yes, obviously. let's do that. They keep talking. And again, Lucifer is so soft with her. He is aware that he is vulnerable around her physically, but he also opens up utterly emotionally. emotionally. I never realized how much smaller than Tom Ellis' Lauren German is. The height difference is extremely explicit in this episode to me. i would never caught on to it. And the way he looks down on her when she has the axe to his chest was so tender and i i think now i'm a Decker star person finally vindication there's no other option because <laughs> oh my god
0: oh god yeah okay so let's stop talking at, at them dry humping <laughs> right the axe because it's been said all it's all been out there and let's Jump to Lux for a little moment. This is the moment when you're gonna complain. I'm just gonna say that the song name is a Revolutionary, and it is by Robert DeLong, And... I was just like, why? Why? Okay, Amenadiel clearly has found a life purpose all over again. And I just did not understand what just happened, really.
1: So to me, the scene, I get confirmation that my theory when she gets the call is correct because... She's pregnant. And my issue with this isn't even completely just with Linda. But this to me is the laziest shorthand give Amenadiel a task and purpose possible. And that's why I'm so angry with this. Because Amenadiel was my pick for most character development for last season. And I would have loved to see them go further with this now that he chooses LA as the place to be. And I'm sorry if you as a person say, I want children and that is my purpose. That's perfectly fine. But to me personally, I don't want children. I have a hard time emphasizing with the need to have children because I have zero common ground there. So whenever any show goes on to the I find my life purpose within having children I check out emotionally completely. So I know that this is a me problem and I am fully aware that many people probably have a great time relating to this dynamic now and probably in the future episodes. But for me this just killed the potential progress for two characters. One who used to be one of my favorites and one who had potential to become one of my favorites.
0: I mean, that's the thing. As long as you can't relate, it's going to be difficult. But unfortunately, this is specifically a thing that does not affect that many people. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And as much as I understand you, I don't have as fatalistic view at this. I don't know. I just have a little bit of a different view at at the world. We know that. Thankfully. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Otherwise, this podcast would be so dull. But I could see in deal that the first reaction was happiness
1: and i'm glad that he has now a potential for happiness i'm happy for the character i'm sad for me yeah, yeah, yeah but let's go into the penultimate scene because this moment i sat at my desk and i hit my fist into the air when chloe says i know in my heart that you are wrong
0: Fuck, I love it so much. It's a great speech. The end thought that Chloe arrives to is brilliant. The way she arrives to it is amazing. Because it makes absolute sense for her character to get there this way and to get there this quickly. And the fact that Kinley underestimated her now, he also says, you will sedate him, I will perform the exorcism. I have a question. And I think I know you're gonna say because you alluded to it earlier. Does he think that Lucifer is possessing somebody no
1: i think he's completely lying to chloe in an attempt to play her because he assumed or maybe even knew that she is making him vulnerable so as long as she is the one to give lucifer poison or whatever it would probably kill him because there is no way that you can exercise the devil out of his own body.
0: This is why I ask this because if he believes that this is Lucifer in somebody else's body, then I would understand that he would try to exercise him. If he knows that this is Lucifer in his Lucifer body, it does not make any sense and then your assumption seems to be correct. So, I am curious as of where this is going to go. With We'll see if we get confirmation one way or the
1: other, but I'm feeling very comfortable with my interpretation. <laughs> that is fair enough. So we go into the final scene because Lucifer is sitting at a piano and he's playing. Do you know what he plays? I didn't know, but thankfully IMDB knows. The piano solo Lucifer is playing just before Father King Lee arrives is an original creation from one of the composers for Lucifer,
0: Ah, according to music supervisor Justin Camps. Well, that's amazing. That explains why I couldn't find it. <laughs> (laughs) Thank you IMDB.
1: And so he's sitting there and he's playing and I had forgotten everything about Kinley which is gonna serve me well in the rest of the season I think. And so I didn't expect it to be Chloe to show up but I didn't expect it to be Kinley either and while I worry that now his
0: plan is gonna be to sow dissent between Lucifer and Chloe which would then motivate Chloe to get rid of him because Lucifer would become a jerk.
1: I don't even think that that's the plan because remember in episode one when I said that I am not sure if I believe Lucifer when it comes to not still having an issue that Mace betrayed him because he's not human? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the same logic is gonna apply to Chloe. So I actually have no worry that the revelation... Kinley already alluded to with the something about Chloe I need to tell you is really gonna hurt Lucifer all that much. Like yes it's gonna hurt for a short bit and then I'm pretty sure it's actually gonna get over it because it makes logical sense and she chose him in the end which is the important part. But I also have to say Kinley knows and believes that Lucifer is the devil. That man has iron balls to just walk up to the penthouse and face Lucifer all by himself. Super bold move yeah.
0: Unless...
1: He knows Lucifer doesn't kill humans, like vanilla humans.
0: Well, that is a so all-important question. There is a lot to unpack, so I was in disbelief about this move. But about this episode in total, I am very glad that Chloe changed her mind. But I worried that Kinley coming up to Lucifer now and telling him about the conspiracy or whatever he's gonna tell him, don't forget he's an extremely good manipulator. It's gonna fuck up their relationship somehow. I have worry about that and I just find it really dumb and I hate it very much. Thank you. Even though I do enjoy the entire setup and this entire episode, even the last two episodes, were really really good and very heavy on the meta plot. And it's greatly set up. I am sad that we don't get more of the side characters, we just have a lot of like bombs dumped on our heads but we didn't really get anything around it so even though I understand why because they need to set these things up and it's done perfectly it's done really really well. I am curious as of what's gonna happen next with our side characters. I want a little bit more details on that and I need more Trixie because there is a whole area of side plots we did not explore enough and that is Maze Trixie. Chloe. So again I get why but I still want more.
1: That's actually a really good point because I have started to get used to the fact that Trixie simply is never around unless she's used as a plot device so I feel I have made my peace with that. In general after season three I honestly did not expect to be this engaged this quickly but I think I made it very obvious during this episode. I am so into this. Holy shit.
0: You're talking about the axe,
1: right? <laughs> by and by this I obviously mean the Lucy-Chloe storyline with the evil priest. This season might turn me into a proper Star person. I now want them to be a thing. I'm curious how it's gonna go. But I remember that I was very sure that season three killed any and all possibility for me to ever be a star person. And now this is back on the table. <laughs> Lucifer is so incredibly sweet and soft and tender and understanding with Chloe. And Lauren German kills every single fucking shot and performance of Chloe. All the while, the writing makes all of her and his behavior utterly plausible for me. I love everything about this. But I would not be me if I didn't have things to complain about. I hate repetition. It is very rare that I am good with repetition and only when it's not a repetition but a parallel. But I fear that we will get a proper repetition of the former triangle with Mace, Ames and Linda just now with a baby instead of a relationship in the mix. I fear that Mace is going to be Horribly jealous again, and that she is going to lash out for fear of losing Linda and their friendship. And that this is gonna put a strain on Mace and everyone around her again. Because without having seen and witnessed Maze's growth in those two months that we didn't see, I have no base to see any other anchor for Mace than Linda. And a baby is gonna threaten this. Meanwhile, instead of letting Amenadiel go through a proper soul search, and I'm choosing this word very deliberately, and find his inherent purpose, he is now going to be a father and will most likely be utterly insufferable within that story. Because that sadly very much fits previous Amenadiel. He's gonna know it best. He's gonna know it better. He's gonna know it all. It's gonna be horrible, old-fashioned Amenadiel. I really hope that's not true. And so these are my worries. And then, of course... Linda is going to be reduced to being the middle between Mace and Deal, And I'm sorry, Linda it's more than that. This is why I'm feeling so worried about the side plots. And of course, the general more Ella backstory is also a thing. But at least I appreciate that we got the, which I only, while we talked about it, realized crisis of faith. So that is the one saving grace. <laughs> grace with the side characters, but I worry about the triangle. But we'll see where it goes. All in all, I don't think I've ever been this emotionally invested in this show, as these last two episodes have made me. And I can't wait for the next one. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com.
0: If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash daotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If
1: that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank Thank
0: you. you. Bye. Bye.